on the drive, pull up jumper, it's good! Isaiah Thomas gives the Celtics the lead with 2.4 remaining. Pierce puts it up for the win, knocks it down, Celtics win! Here comes Powell, Powell with Smart defending, oh it's blocked by Smart, what a play! In, Tatum takes it, makes it! Welcome everybody to the Celtics Double Take Podcast. Dylan McCaffrey and James Kwan here again today. The Boston Celtics are sitting at 15 and 15, sitting in the sixth seed. Basically, we beat the Nuggets, lost to the Hawks, beat the Hawks, and we blew that game against the Pelicans. First things first, though, before we get into it all, as always, our best and worst takeaways from this week. James, you can go first because I, I really am struggling. <laughs> no, I feel you, man. The first thing, I, this is my best takeaway, and it's going to seem a little shallow, but it's Danny Ainge admitting that he's been doing a bad job. I don't know why it was so rewarding to me. It's kind of like when you're a teenager and like your parent, the first time your parent like, like uh, admits that they were wrong. Like it's just so rewarding for some reason. It's like, you know, it's like, oh, 16 years in the making. Finally get this apology. I, this is the first time I think I've heard him just admit that he made a mistake. Um, and he always does that thing where like he makes a mediocre draft pick and he's like, this is the guy we've always wanted. And he always tries to put himself off as the, some smart mastermind. But finally, he just admitted that's not the season he wanted. This isn't the roster that he wanted. And honestly, I think it means a lot. And I do think it bodes well for the future in terms of him trying to make some kind of move. Um, now, our worst takeaway, we're, it's kind of the same as, as the weeks prior. We're just, we're just mediocre, man. Like, And whether it's because of injuries or whether it's because of us not just having it together, the synergy not being there, whatever the reason might be, we are quite literally mediocre right now. We're a 500 team. We're not used to this. This is not the kind of basketball that we're used to seeing play. It's not enjoyable watching this team. I think we can agree and we'll go into it later, but this is a kind of painful team to watch. It's not fun. Um, I was watching that Nets Clippers game and I had to admit, man, the Nets are a fun team to watch. I enjoy watching them a lot more than I do the Celtics. Uh, maybe it's because we're 500, but I'm hoping we can turn it around. We're mediocre for now, but I don't think that's going to stay. But yeah, you're best and worst. Once upon a time, we were the team that like in the fourth quarter, if you gave us a chance, we were going to come back and we were going to beat you. And you're right. It's, it's, it's so hard to watch now. I didn't have a best thing for this week, which I felt a little cruel about. So I decided that Rob will is my best thing this week because he looks more and more <laughs> every day. Like he should be getting more minutes. He's per 36. He's has 15 and 13 and he looks great out there when he plays, you know, he still is making the, the dumber mistakes, but he, he is one of the few positive notes I've had on this team for the last week. And maybe it's before, you, before you go into your worst, I just have to say that Daniel Tice was your best last week, I think. And this time it's Robert Williams. It just shows where our team is at, but sorry, go on. Yeah. Robert Williams. <laughs> and honestly, the same with Daniel Tice. It's because my expectations are so low that they are able to meet them. Uh, and my worst for this week is my worst for the season. And it goes along with what you said. It's Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge failed us and he finally admitted it. And it gave a lot of validation to just what I've been feeling because, you know, part of me has held it back. Like, Oh, we got the trade exception. Danny's got a plan. Nope. Danny failed. He messed up. And I just want to go straight into it. We are 15 and 15. We're the sixth seed. We are 0.5 games ahead of the New York Knicks. That is not where you want to be. Uh, in years past, we've had such high talent and high potential. They had faith that we'd figure it out. And our team now, it's fallen to mediocrity. And our path to becoming like a, a really top like two contender in the league is, is murky. And it's, it, it was, if it wasn't clear before, 
I don't know why this week made it clear, but we just, we just, we, we aren't fighting hard. We, we have star players and this off season, we came in, what do we need? We needed rebounding interior defense and an off the bench scorer. We got a top 20 rebounder, arguably in Tristan Thompson. So, you know, you can say that we somewhat addressed that uh, interior defense. We didn't get better uh, off the bench scoring. We didn't get better. It's not rocket science. Miles Turner, he's top three in DPOY voting. Doug McDermott, he's averaging 14 points in 26 minutes a game on 51% shooting. Uh, that trade would have made this team a top three team in the East, and we're not. And it's it's beating a dead horse, but it's it's frustrating. No, for sure. I mean, I don't think enough can be said about how bad of a job that Danny Ainge has done the past, in my mind, the past couple of years. Um, but I think we should get into this Nuggets game because once we get the Nuggets game out of the way, I think we're really going to focus on our problems here. Because, because the Nuggets game, it it was a false sense of like hope in a way. We beat like, a good team. We beat a good digits. team. And we we both said to each other, we're like, Jokic, like he's going to get 30 or 40 points. And he had 43 uh, against us. That's to be expected. But I saw some really great things. This is what happens when we're relatively healthy and motivated. Uh, we held Michael Porter Jr. to zero points. I mean, this is an up-and-coming, one of the best up-and-coming scorers in the league. And I saw a lot from Tatum and Brown on the, on the, in terms of effort, you know? And I think that's where we, like you said, we lack in a lot of these losses. It's just effort. I mean, is it Brad? I feel like it's Brad, right? Like, effort. We're seeing, we're seeing, you mentioned the Knicks. We're seeing what Tibbs has done in, in, in New York, where there's no rhyme or reason to this team being a top defensive squad. It doesn't make any sense. They were in the bottom of the barrel last year. It's relatively the same team. It's all coaching. I think we've seen the exact opposite from Brad. I don't know what you think. Brad, uh, he came up on Stephen A's show this week, and Stephen A had a whole rant about how Brad Stevens does not seem like a motivator. He doesn't seem like someone that can pull the best out of his players. And I think that intellectually, he can. I think that he can draw the play and run the scheme that is going to be the best suited for, for the guy's talent. But I agree with him in terms of like, you know, we're in the playoffs and Marcus Smart has to be throwing chairs at the wall to get this team to have, have some sense of urgency. And Brad Stevens seems very mild mannered on and off the court. And you like to think that in the locker room, he, he turns up the heat a little bit and you have to wonder if that's true in the nuggets game. Um, you're right. JB and Jason Tatum both did their thing, had 48 points combined Kemba, even, you know, he had 17 points, not the worst game he's had for sure. Pritchard, Neesmith and Rob were all great off the bench. So when you have your starters and your stars performing and guys helping you off the bench, you win a game. And that was encouraging. And I do think that I agree that it was a little bit of a false sense of hope because immediately it went downhill against uh, the Hawks, the Hawks for game. sure. Now, I just want to point out a few more things about this Nuggets game. We yeah. played nine people. This is the recipe for success. We allow true, the players true. off the bench to get into a rhythm. And that's what happens. Now, Neesmith, it... He had nine points at, and that was a plus 20 and plus minus another fact of why plus minus is a stupid stat. There's no way that Neesmith being on the floor is a plus 20. It's an, it's outdated. It's dumb. But what I did like was that he seemed a little more confident and, you know, I'm going to go into why I feel like him getting all these minutes is a bad thing. But what I liked was just the consistency of those minutes being placed on a select number of people that you decide as a coach, going into this game is going to give you the best chance to win. I didn't see that from Brad. I saw a lot of desperation. I saw a lot of 14 people rotations, punching the air, wondering what's going to work. And now he's kind of trying to commit to something that makes, 
I guess a little bit more sense. I don't know if benching Grant Williams is like the answer for things going forward, but I do like he's playing the fact that he's playing nine or 10 people as opposed to 14. I think he's yep. showing a little bit more conviction about his decisions and, and the squad that he trusts. Um, I, I, th- I think that was a big reason why we won this game. Now, like, like we said before, complete uh, false hope game, complete like trap game in a way because the Nuggets have been struggling just as much as we have. We, we're a lot like the Nuggets, if you think about it. We made the, West, we made the conference finals. We're a great team. Um, all the pieces are there, but we've been completely disappointing this year. I don't know. What did you see the, the next game? The Hawks lost. Yep. How did it happen? What, what's going on? Like, like what in that game in particular do you think is so indicative of our team just in general? So I'll start with the thing that I think is the biggest problem, which is that there was no defense played whatsoever. We gave Trey Young 40, which we don't like usually give guards that many points. And Trey Young got 40 on us. And on the other side, Clint Capella gets 24, John Collins gets 20. If you're giving the big three of Trey Young, Clint Capella, and John (laughs) Collins 84 points, and you're only going to score 109, you're going to lose. And like Clint Capella is not Joel Embiid. John Collins, John Collins actually, after watching these two games, I no longer am interested in a trade for John Collins. I agree. I'll, I I'll expand agree. on that later. But we, we, we couldn't cover anyone. And, you know, you, you keep making efforts to come back. And, like, the, the Hawks just wanted more. There's no Kemba that night. Tatum and Brown have 57 combined. Tatum has an awesome game. Pritchard gave us some good minutes. Naismith has zero points in 21 minutes. And that's, you know, that's an experience. And you can't have that um, if he's going to be if he's in there to score off the bench. Uh, is a bad loss. Yeah, and let's talk about, I think Naismith, so Brad had that quote last week that he was the hardest working guy. He was the first one in the gym, and that's why he's, he, he wants to give him more minutes. I think he's kind of making an example out of him and, and in terms of like he wants to like this team to buy in and grind, but is giving him 20 minutes plus every one of these games, is that really giving us the best chance to win? I would argue no. Um, he's not ready. And if he, I don't care if he's the first guy in the gym, if, if I'm being frank, because I want him to work hard. Don't get me wrong, but I want to win games. And I think that it's, first of all, him playing those amount of minutes, I think it throws the whole entire thing off. Jalen Brown was six for 20 in this loss. Um, by far his worst game of the year. And he actually did not have a great, um, he did not have a great week, Jalen Brown, in not terms of consistency. Week. No, and you know, we, we expect a lot more from him just because of the tear he went on the beginning of the year. But if you're supposedly second best player who scores or is shooting six for 20, you know, you're probably not going to win that game. Um, and like you said, the defense was trash. We need Marcus Smart. If, if this was ever a sign, if, there, if Danny Ainge ever needed like a three-week period to just be sold on Marcus Smart and his value for this team as a defensive player, as a playmaker, pretty much our Draymond Green, it's this, it's this period. Definitely. And guess what? He's probably going to trade him. He's probably going to trade him because he feels like he's damaged goods because he feels like that he's a locker room liability. When in actuality, like you said, he's the fire that we need. He holds guys accountable. Brad doesn't. Brad's not the authoritarian figure. And we need that in some kind of player. I mean, Trey scoring 40 points is a direct, is a direct uh, effect of, of Marcus Smart not being there. I mean, what do you think Smart could have done this game? Because I think we, I think we, we we're sweeping the Hawks in the series with Marcus Smart. Am I, am I naive? Smart does usually do a better job guarding like bigger guards, shooting guards, and small forwards, and he does like guys like Trey Young. But he would have guarded Trey Young better than 
anyone else out there better than Pritchard better than, you know, we, we I don't think we're, we're giving Carson minutes anymore. You said Naismith is, is getting all these minutes all of a sudden. And we it was, started Javante in this game, by the way, <laughs> Carson was just finding his shot and I was really encouraged by it. And like his minutes just completely were taken away. And yep. Naismith out of nowhere is now just like, Foley, like Brad's favorite the game. <laughs> Danny is like Brad. Like I look terrible. He needs to be good. You need to just play him. Uh, it's true. It's true. Marcus smart. Um, I think honestly could have clamped John Collins. John Collins is not nearly as good as I thought he was, especially in the second game. He, he had uh, like, I don't, I don't think he got into double figures. He had eight points, three of 13 in the second game. I was like really hoping for a John Collins straight. Like he was going to be our bam and John Collins shouldn't have got 20 points against us that first. No, game. but let me ask you a quick question. Um, are we going to absolve Tatum and Brown in games like this? Because to be honest, like where, where does, where does the defense have to come from? Like the team is looking to your stars for the energy. They're going to follow suit with what the, we all know the players know that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, as it stands right now, are the best players on this team. And as we know with NBA teams, the character and culture of your team, especially in defensive end is usually going to come from your stars. So at what point do we stop saying that it's just like Jalen and, and Jason are just like, can't do no wrong when we got guys like John Collins and even Herter was having great games against us. And I'm just like, those are guys that I feel like Jalen and Jason need to clamp down. I mean, you're not wrong. They're, they are the leaders on our team. And maybe when Marcus Smart is there, then they don't have as much pressure to be like leaders in that sense and lead by example. I think that Jalen does play like solid defense always. I think he's just a quiet guy and like isn't going to be yelling at his teammates to, to step it up. And Tatum is also a very timid person and Kemba's always all smiles. So I do think that without Marcus Smart on the floor, we are missing just someone with an attitude that will, you know, when, when, Robert Williams makes a bad read. He knows that Marcus Smart's going to yell at him. So he has the extra pressure to play defense. I don't know. Uh, Tatum and Brown, I wish were carrying us to wins. You wish that like, you know, having those two all-stars is, would be enough, but it isn't. And luckily we turned around in the next game. Um, But I don't think we can depend on, because it really depends on our bench. We're not winning games because of Tatum and Brown or winning games, whether we have a decent bench unit that night or not, because they've been pretty consistent. Well, here's the thing. If our because we, we we value Marcus Smart a lot and we think that this bad stretch of games is pretty you know it, it's it's strongly correlated to who are missing mainly Marcus Smart, but we our expectation especially when when Jalen was going on that run was that we had the two guys. Now if you can't win with these two guys without Marcus Smart, that's a problem, and I think that shows something about Jalen and Jason. You know me. I've always been. I've I've been the biggest advocate for this tandem. Um, I believe that this can be like the one-two punch for the next literal ten years. Like I, I that's how much that's how highly I believe in them. But that we we reached a hard truth that them alone is not enough. And and not that I be, not that I think that our team is deep or that it's all their fault. But you see with other duos, whether that be Giannis and Chris Milton, whether that be. Uh, Kawhi and Paul George that I think they have a little bit more pull in terms of how games go. And this is what I'm talking about in terms of like how, how long are we going to pass the buck? How long do we say it's not their fault when 
like let's be honest dude Kemba is gone and, and we're, we're whether we deal him or we just play out his contract he's not a part of our long-term plans so we're not going to be able to have that third star point guard it's not in it's not in the future so this is kind of it like if it's not them too what's it going to be i don't know how you think that they improve i don't know what what you see from their inability to kind of carry us in games against like the hawks so when we had a team that had, you know, we had Terry and Hayward and um, Horford. Horford. We, we, we had the, all the guys. Yeah. There was a philosophy that if you have enough, just like good players, like the Miami Heat last year, you can make a really far run. But there comes a point where you have to ask the question. Like you think about all the people that have won NBA championships. Like you look back at just the last 20 years, who's the best player on the championship team? It's LeBron James or Steph Curry or Tim Duncan. It's MVP caliber Hall of Fame guys. So if you're going to build a team where with a big three that has, you know, Tatum, Brown and Walker is Jason Tatum, the best player on a championship team is Jalen Brown, because to be that you have to be all time great and you can build the team like the heat did, but in a seven game championship series, you need to have the best player on the court or two out of three of the best players on the court or three out of five of the best players on the court. And Tatum and Brown are both great. And I just think that, you look at the contenders in the league, if they were the second and third best players on our team, we'd be in a great spot. Yeah. Obviously. But it's it's the question of, is is Tatum going to be a top five player in the league? Is he going to be able to be the best player on a championship team? And yeah, and I think we should talk young. about it. Yeah, he's, I mean, young, he's young. And there's a way to go. For sure. And I hope that he'll get there. But it's not a guarantee. And right now, they aren't. Yeah, and I think we should talk about it because not that the Jazz have gone farther than us in the playoffs, but we talk a lot about Donovan Mitchell and Jalen, sorry, Jason Tatum, because um, they're just so comparable in terms of like value, and they're very debatable in terms of like what they provide to their team. We see with the Jazz this year that Donovan Mitchell's he's doing a lot more things. He's playing off the ball. He's he's developing his game in other ways. He's taking handoffs. Like you see with Steph um, that he learned that the hard way that you got to be able to find different ways to attack and whether that be you having the ball most of the time, or you, you, you performing your signature move um, on the guy in front of you, like you got to be multifaceted. And something I need to see from Tatum is, is like, he needs to develop not as a scorer because we all know, we know that's there, but kind of as a playmaker. I mean, why, why is Tatum not a kind of guy who I'm not expecting to be Luca, but we give him the ball on the top of the key. We give him a screen. He makes a play. That's never been Tatum. And why not? It's it's kind of his own fault that that's the case. I'm not saying that I'm giving up on Tatum. I, I love Tatum. I want Tatum to be on this team for the rest of his career. But if, like you said, it's the guys that win championships that are really transcendent players. And I don't I don't know if Tatum has shown any kind of ability to kind of develop as a playmaker just yet. Like you said, he's very young, but that's kind of, what, that's kind of like what we're going to need from him. I, I'm going to absolve Jalen Brown because I think he's given us a lot more than we thought we're going to get from him this year, but our expectations for Tatum are high. I think that Jalen Brown, you know, he can be the second best player in a championship team, but I think that he's the perfect third best player in a championship team. Cause when he's been our third and fourth option, he's still been able to average 20 points. He's yep. very efficient when you just give mm-hmm. him the ball and if you can have that guy slide into the third spot, that's what Kemba's supposed to be. Kemba's supposed to be the guy you slide into the third spot. He's your third scorer, and he can just go get some quick buckets and you know be efficient, try and play defense. And 
I think that our offense is just so focused on isolation for Tatum and Brown. And there's such a hierarchy of like, those guys need to be the ones taking shots that they aren't creating as many shots for other players. Like it doesn't make sense a lot of the time for them to pass it because the ball, once they pass it, the ball needs to find its way back to them unless they're passing to someone who's taking an open shot. Our team is just built kind of poorly and Brad Stevens has not handled it super well. When we had a lot of talent, I didn't think he handled it great either because we had a lot of talent. We were still just playing, you know, everyone gets to take their turn playing ISO with it's Kyrie or Terry or Tatum or whoever. And we're still doing that, but with just less talent now. And, you know, people give Brad Stevens like all of the credit for Isaiah Thomas's success saying, you know, he was a system player. And one thing I'll say about that team is that it had a very clear offensive game plan where, you know, IT is the, is the distributor. And if he's not, you know, going and creating a shot for himself, he's creating a shot for someone else who's going to take it and move the ball around. And we had a, even though we weren't the most talented team, we had a nice offensive rhythm and a good game plan. And it's just not working the way that we're playing. No, it's, it's not getting, the, it's not getting the best out of Tatum and Brown. No. And you're going to like this, but let me make, let me make the case for IT over Kemba right now. IT, people, for a lot of reasons, people try to underrate what happened that year, right? Um, and, and for a lot of reasons, it's because it was one really, truly dominant year. But IT was a playmaker in the way that Kemba is not. I don't know. Kemba, he, he, does, a good, he does a good job playmaking off penetration. He does a good job doing what he can for his height. But IT is shorter than him, and I feel like IT was able to create more off the high screen than Kemba can. And a lot of the Brad offense is based upon the high screen. Now, I think, I think it's time to well, – let's go into this Hawks win because I think it highlights a lot – even in a win, I think it highlights a lot of Brad's flaws here. And I think that just, at, just as much as we kind of give credit to, like, the Brad's successes, you know, three straight conference finals, let me ask the question. Who, what coach, how many coaches that aren't just absolute trash wouldn't have made the Eastern Conference finals those years in a bad Eastern Conference, given the talent we had? It's not, we, he's not dealing with, with crap. He's dealing with great players. And I'm not saying Brad's a fraud just yet, but let's be honest, his, his accomplishments in the past, they don't really... If, if the accomplishments really mean something, they resonate with people, they don't question a 15 and 15 start. But the fact that we are, it, it shows a little bit of uncertainty with Brad's true value for this team. Now, I don't know if you agree, because you, you've been a supporter of Brad in the past. In the playoffs, like we've beaten the Ben Simmons and B team a couple times. We've beaten Giannis in the playoffs. We beat the Raptors last year. Nick Nurse and Brad had like a coaching, like mind war during that series. And so I'll give Brad his credit that I don't think that every team with a lot of talent goes to the Eastern conference finals. Like the bucks uh, have been struggling with Giannis and um, you can make the argument that, you know, you, you put Giannis on any team, they should be getting there. So I won't, I won't blame or take that away from Brad because it's no small feat to make it to the Eastern conference finals, but we haven't made the finals and we should have last year, the Miami heat. We're not as good as everyone said. They're not even in the playoff picture right now. And they have the same team Uh, in this Hawks game. We just had, we had six players in double digits. Tristan Thompson and Daniel Tice combined for 39 or 31 points on 17 of 18 shooting, or excuse me, 15 of, okay, I can't do math. 
They shot very well. <laughs> they got over 30 points. And you can't expect that from Tristan Thompson and Daniel Tice ever. So yeah. Robert Williams, six of eight for 12 points. So those three guys, it's great that they were able to score, but it's not like that. We found something that we're going to be able to use consistently. Those guys just all had great nights. Kemba also had his best game of the year, maybe 28 points, 10 of 16, five of eight from three. He needs to be able to make open threes in the next game. He was one of 12 from three and he shoots us out of games when he does that just completely. So yeah, for sure. And, and dude, I'm just, I'm just going to say it. That game really meant nothing to me. It's a game that if we lose, we throw the whole season away. And it's a game that if we win, it really doesn't mean anything. This this Kemba game was kind of a big tease. This is a bad defense. Like the Hawks, they have a bad defense, a bad, at least a bad backcourt defense. I think in the interior, it gets a little tough because you have guys like Collins, you have guys like Capella who can really defend the rim or at least physical big bodies. But it's Trey Young. Trey Young can't play defense. Um, if Kemba has his best games against the Wizards and the Hawks, I think that says something. And I listen, a win's a win, but if you look into like how this game kind of went down, it's kind of what you've talked about in the past. We rely on shooting. We shot the ball really well um, this game. We had 19 turnovers, though. And yep. uh, worst Pritchard game by far. He didn't seem to get into any kind of rhythm. I think it's largely because you're giving 20-plus minutes to, to Neesmith, who's apparently Brad's new favorite player. And even in a win, when, you're in, when the best players aren't getting the most minutes, when you're one of your best bench guys can't get into rhythm because he's getting taken in and out of the game you know, faster than, than, than any of the other players, it seems like. It, I just have to put into question, like, what is the plan? Um, a Hawks win is just not how low has the bar gone? Like, let's, let's get put everything in perspective. Yeah. Hawks win last year would have been a complete afterthought. And now we're looking at a Hawks. I'm supposed to take something away from this? I, I refuse. I refuse. <laughs> One thing I was going to try and take away was that, you know, all, all, all three of our big men, Tice, Thompson, and Rob, all had very efficient games with a lot of points. And when your, your starting point guard puts up 30 and makes his threes and is shooting at a high clip, you can get your big men open because now guys yep. have to adjust and he can find them. And Kemba, when he gets a guy open, is good at, like, making that nice little – I like when he cuts down low and then cuts back toward the free throw line and then passes it – back to the basket for a mm-hmm. nice dunk. He's good at that. So when he can actually put the ball through the hoop, he's able to be a distributor and it works. It worked last year, but it was a tease because the very next game he was back to his old or his new old self. Of yeah. Shot. <laughs> no, for sure. I mean, we can agree this is a, the Pelicans loss is the worst loss this season. Not Pelicans because loss was one of the worst games I've ever watched. <laughs> I mean, how can we be surprised? We've been preaching it since day one. This team can't keep a lead. And you have to, when, when, it's a, when it's consistently a thing over the course of a coach's career, you have, to, you have to bring into question what the philosophy is when we have a lead. This is not player specific. We've had multiple different squads with multiple different um, you know, iterations of, our, of, the, of the same roster. It's not player specific. It's not because Tatum's a choker. It's not because Jalen Brown you know, is an inefficient score. It's not because of any of these things. It's because of philosophy when we have a lead. This one's on Brad. And as much as you kind of point to Ainge here, and I completely agree, he's, he's botched his roster. And he really, if he doesn't make a move this season, he's, he's the ultimate bitch ass because he, he really is just trying to save face here. But Brad, 
Dude, I mean, I'm gonna be honest, man. I, I I just said that I'm not calling Brad a fraud, but there are multiple times in this game that I was really calling for his job. I mean, I, I do think it's a valid point. We've had a lot of talent. Like the teams that we've had in the last two years, the reason why we our expectations are in the finals is because the abundance of talent that we've had in the last two years. So in that way, Brad to me, it, it, it's it's like it's barely expectations that he's that he's reaching. If you make the final, if you make the conference finals and then choke out, it's to me, it's barely. He gained a lot of credibility in that seven-game series against LeBron in 2018 when he brought that team that had no business being there and pulled LeBron on the brink of elimination. And there are multiple times in that game that we had a chance to beat him. That gained Brad like four years of just like, okay, like I guess you're you're it. It doesn't matter. Do whatever you want. I'm not on that boat. I want to hold our coach accountable and dude, it's, it's what can it's, it's, it's a question that seems simple. Like what can we do when we have a lead? But I don't think it's that simple in, 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 uh, in reality, because Brad's a smart guy. Like what, what do we do? Like, like, do we just can, like, I think our answers have always been continuing what we we doing to get us the lead. No, exactly. Like, I don't know why we play differently once we are winning the game. Maybe it's because we're a weirdly talented team where we have some very talented players and a lot of very not talented players that when we're trying to come back, we have more fight in us. And then when we get a lead, everyone's just trying to take care of the ball and not make mistakes. But we, we just like forget to play basketball when we're winning the game. We're just, it's, it's, it's been the whole season. It's been a lot of last season and overtime was so hard to watch. I, I'll get on the refs a little bit because they tossed JJ Redick earlier in the game for just yeah. passing the ref the ball. Soft. Um, so they, so you knew from the beginning that the refs were just inserting themselves. And in the last the last three minutes of overtime took like 25 minutes. There mm. was a point in that sequence where they, well, we had the ball, they called a foul on Lonzo, and it was a bad foul call. They made they made the terrible call. And then as we're inbounding it, they challenge. They allow them to challenge it, even though we already are inbounding the ball. And then when they decide, oh, we made the wrong call, it wasn't a foul. They say, oh, well, this other type of possession, but they were making a pass while we made the terrible foul call. So now it's a jump ball. The refs are creating turnovers out of nothing against us. And so they did a terrible job, but I won't give us the excuse because then at the end of the game, we just couldn't guard Zion. We gave Brandon Ingram an open shot and it's lights out. Yeah, and here's my... Here's the big three I have because we weren't always chokers. You're right. We were the team that if you gave a chance to come back in a game, we would. And here's my theory. Just three years ago, even like we had a lot more veteran leadership. We had a lot more guys like Jay Crowder that, and you see, you see the, the effect that Jay Crowder has that him leaving the heat and then going to the Suns. the Suns, uh, obviously because Chris Paul, but also because Jay Crowder and what he provides. And then you look at the heat, that they're kind of missing this this piece. These big these big veteran guys, not just Jay, but also Horford, and also you know the the pieces that we we now so dearly miss. A team like that doesn't need to be motivated. You have yeah. veteran guys that hold people accountable. It's true. You have like you, they keep the energy up. They're fighting for their careers. They're fighting to stay in the league. They gotta play defense. So Brad looks great because he doesn't have to. He he's not a great motivator, but he doesn't have to be. He just has to be the smarts. He has to drop the X and nose. That's a specialty. We very much played into his strengths. Now that this is a relatively younger team with younger stars that need that motivation, 
a need to keep up that energy. I think a little bit is, yeah, we, we, we start to play some iso ball. We, 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 we do stray away from that, but it's the energy. When we have a lead, we just start screwing around. And in order for a comeback to happen, they have to score points. So I'm going to look more at the defensive end than the offensive end, if I'm being honest. And, and I'm going to blame that on Brad for not having that ability. I don't know if he has the ability in him. He seems like such a docile little puppy of a coach. He needs to be a dog. He needs to be a dog. And if you're going to motivate this team with these young stars, I'm going to need to see more from him. Am I wrong? I feel like it's defensive just as much as his offensive. Brad Stevens needs to be a dog. Jay Crowder, you're right. He was a dog. He was a fighter. And you know he has, he has a couple clutch shots to his credit in his career. He was on the Grizzlies for a second, so he's certified grit and grind. I like to compare mm-hmm. Crowder with Semi a lot because they have similar build and similar just roles. And Crowder mentality versus Semi mentality, they might be similar in skill, but it's completely different. Yeah. Same thing with Terry Rozier. He's a dog. He's a fighter. Him versus Teague or, I mean, even if you want to say Pr- Pritchard has a way to go, but, you know, Pritchard has more so than Teague. But, you know, Kelly Olynyk, game seven yep. against the Wizards. Mm-hmm. Kelly Olynyk is more of a fighter and a dog. He's going to dislocate the guy's arm and get shoved by <laughs> yeah. Kelly Oubre. As opposed to Grant Williams, I love the guy, but he's just like Semi, just like Taco. He's just like a nice, sweet guy that is is being coached timidly. Yeah, no, 100%. And I, I want Brad to like, l- listen, Jalen Brown, for example, another bad game, seven for 23 in this game. It felt like five for 30, if I'm being yeah. honest. It felt bad. Why isn't Brad yelling his ear off on the bench? Why isn't Brad like holding him accountable on the defensive end then? Why isn't he trying to get ways to get him involved that are playing more to his strengths? They isn't just giving him the ball and expecting him to d- make a move. I'm not, I'm not like absolving like anything from this point on, from this week on, I am on the Brad is on the hot seat train. I mean, another point, 27 minutes for Neesmith, like he grabbed 10 points, but yeah, that's not even even good in 27 minutes. No, it just doesn't make any sense. I don't know what he's trying to do, what kind of message he's trying to send. If he's trying to say you work the hardest, you get the most minutes, but dude, it's the NBA. The people who work the hardest do not get the most minutes. LeBron is not working the hardest, all right? Maybe it's on his body, but not on the court. And it's it's about the energy. It's about the, the grit. Like we said, we got no grit anymore. We got rid of all the dogs. That's completely Danny Ainge's fault. But Thompson is this kind of guy that's supposed to be that like grit and grind. Dude, he got bullied this game. Thompson got thrown around like a rag doll this game. And I know it's Zion Williamson but and, and Steven Adams, but... Like you have to, you have to see, like, we're pointing fingers and we're, we're trying to see like, that's the dog. That's the guy. That's the, that's the vocal leader. When smarts out, we're, we're what, what people would call like the husband fraternity. <laughs> like we're just a bunch of nice guys, guys you want to take and you want to introduce them to your parents. And I, I, I want a little bit more dirt bag in us. If I'm being, if I'm being quite frank. I completely agree, and we can definitely look at that as we go forward to the next week. But I want to say one more thing about the Pelicans game, which is just Kemba. After having a pretty good game against against the Hawks, he regressed back to 5 of 21 shooting, 14 points, 1 of 12 from 3. I think that Kemba should no longer be allowed to take the three-pointer where he's, like, falling over the three-point line. He ends up landing six feet in. You know what you should Mm -hmm. do right there? Keep dribbling, get to the elbow, and pop it. You, you're falling right. forward, like trying to get the shot off, like while you're trying to jump before you pass the three-point line. 
just get up and get in your range because you're never making them this year. That's, yeah, that's, that's that's my last point. And I, I well, I want to quickly ask you, like, at one point, are we just off the the Kemba train? Like, like at what point? Because this is a guy we love. We're both Connecticut guys. When he came to this team, we had high hopes. But just like the Kyrie situation, it started off hot and it got cold real quick. And I had my complaints even in last year's playoffs. What I was seeing from him, him shooting us out of games, like like I said before, I don't care if you finish the game. Uh, three for six. If you start the game, three for twenty. Like I, it just you are putting us in a position to lose. So wh- how many more bad games? How many? How much longer does this happen until you're just saying this is a trader bust? This is a kind of guy that you attach first round picks just to get rid of his contract. If we traded him this year and it made like our team better, then it, it wouldn't hurt my feelings. But what I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm going to give Kemba as much benefit of the doubt as I can. And that's to say that I'm putting on Danny Ainge that before the deadline, we need to have a new team. We need to have different players. We need to have something that'll make us more able to contend. And when that team gets together, Kemba needs to be on his shit. He needs to be playing well. He needs to get in the groove with the new guys. I'm already looking ahead to just when we've made the replacements, because, you know, if, if we trade Kemba to get the replacements, then, you know, it was a fun ride. I'm sorry. It didn't work out, but if we get the replacements, Kemba has to find a way to, to make that team work and work and be successful and whatever that means for him on that team. And if he can't do that, I, so I'm, I'm giving him, I guess, just like a lot of games, maybe the rest of the season, but it's, it's, it's running out of hope for me. For yeah. I mean, what did LeBron say to Kevin Love? It's like find ways to fit in rather than yeah. like trying to be like a, a, a wrench in the plans, but yeah, let's look forward because not all hope is lost. We got the Mavericks next. Um, that's going to be a game where maybe we can watch Porzingis and see if he's worth paying a lot for. Um, and it's always fun to watch Tatum against Luca and yep. the Mavericks, I think are a team like us that has a little bit of an identity issue. And that's be a game that we can win the Hawks. We better beat the Hawks. We do. Yeah. The Hawks again. Better it's true. Beat them. <laughs> that's all I got for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Indiana Pacers. It'd be nice to beat them. It'd be nice to not lose to, Miles Turner and Doug McDermott, but we'll see what happens there. They're a lot deeper than us. We learned that the last time we played them and yep. that it showed badly. So we're going to need to be deep that night. It can't be just Tatum and Brown. And then lastly, the wizards, the wizards uh, are having a, a much worse year than us. So we better not find a way to lose that game. No, for sure. I mean, listen, uh, on top of all these struggles, like, I think it's hard to, in, in the midst of chaos, it's hard to see the full picture. We're we're injured and we have an identity crisis. But all the pieces, in my mind, when Danny Ainge said this was a bad roster, that's what I didn't like about the statement. I am glad he admitted he was, he was in the wrong. But I don't think this is a bad roster. I don't. I think that there's a, there is a version of this team that is competitive. Losing Marcus Smart really hurt us, but when completely healthy, when we have the, we have it all figured out, when we have our nine-man rotation down and pat and solid, listen, it's hard to get into rhythm as a team when the team looks different every game. Like, why are the Jazz good? The Jazz have been doing the same freaking thing for three years with the same guys. That's why they're good. They know who they are. They know who, who is capable of handling any kind of situation or moment. We have had such a, a varying like identity and whatever. 
that I just think that once we get that down pat and once we're healthy, once we got the full squad back together, there is no doubt in my mind that we can be competitive. So looking forward, yeah, the Mavs are a team that are a lot like us in terms of just being disappointing. But in that way, I think if we keep Luca to a relatively pedestrian game, we're a better team. I think that the Hawks is kind of like, they better take it personally. The players better take it personally. Like this is not, this is a statement game. I almost think that the Pacers game means less, even though they're a better team, like because the Pacers are what, are what they are. And like, we can deal with the consequences of that game, but this Hawks game, oh, well, let's put it, let's put a pin in that. It's an identity game. It is a make or break confidence wise game. I, like I said, I'm not worried. I think that this team, there's a version of it that works. I think we still got a lot of talent. I think we're, we're still kind of refining like our lineup. Um, and it's up to Brad who to, to make that work. But before we kind of end this all and whatnot, I think we need to talk a little about Ainge and what in particular you want from him. Because it's easy to say we're upset and we, we've been upset about his, his, his like job, the job he's been doing. But like, let's pinpoint like what exactly is the problem. Okay. So we do have to wrap up. So this is going to be my, my, my final my piece on Ainge because I've said so much about him already. Yeah. Danny Ainge, like you said, this team, you know, the, the Suns are together for three years and that's why they learned to play together. Tatum and Brown have seen so many different players come in and out of the Celtics locker room during their time there. And we're a much different team than we were last year or two years ago, three years ago. And you're right. The players get better if you let them gel. Sammy Ojale is the best he's ever been. Grant Williams, Robert Williams, they've all gotten better. What I need from Danny Ainge is it's it's nice to have the, the draft picks and the baby pieces, Tremont Waters and whatever, but there have been opportunities where we could have moved those guys and gotten something useful. Danny Ainge, take the stock of the players that are going to make this team better for years to come. Pritchard, Semi, Rob are all guys I would prefer to keep. And everyone else on the team, if you're not going to play Carson, if you're never going to play Taco or Tremont, if Naismith is going to suck, just – put it together, make a trade, get someone useful. And I don't know. It's, it's, it's your job, dude. Figure it out. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I completely agree. Sick. All right. That is going to do it for this week on double take Celtics. You can subscribe on iTunes at Celtics double take, or go find double take on YouTube for extra credit. Follow the double take show on Instagram. It's been a long one out of breath right now. James, you got any last words? Yep. I'm going to call out Celtics fans. Y'all are the most fair weather fans in Boston. Let's be honest, you are. So let's not hop off the bandwagon. A lot of season left. That's all I got to say. Ride or die. Ride or die. Love it. Sorry. Right. Go Celtics. We'll see you next week. All right.